Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I have to damn kid to bed three times now. Jesus. Fingers crossed. It's time down to his bed. That would just be teaching him how to untie knots. <laughs> so why'd you have to go start a bunch of fires, Doug? I, I haven't, um started any fires lately the real question is why are you so bad at getting smoke that you're like a week behind everybody else the rest of us have moved on from this story and you're just getting the smoke now yeah we don't even have air quality warnings anymore so take that that's just because you've adapted woke up today i'm like oh my throat's a little sore it's nasty when it when it gets to you yeah, I, was gonna say, I felt like trash all day. I didn't even think about that that's what it probably is. Yeah. I didn't even realize what was going on until I got to work. But it's like, ah, oh, it's so gross out. Damn Canadian wildfires. And I'm like, that's what all that is? God damn it. Usually was mad at Doug. People keep burning down nature. Uh, it's so weird. All because you Canadians it, are too liberal to rake your forests. That's what I've heard. <laughs> You're not doing a good job. You should be out there raking forests, Doug. I will do my best to rake the forest. <sighs> what an idiot. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to any of this. Mm-hmm. That's because you're Canadian. You don't know how to be hostile back. Your, your, natu- your, your natural instincts are causing you to try to be polite and apologize <laughs> for the fire. Just glad I'm not up by Chicago. Apparently it was really bad up there today. Yeah. Yeah. When it was uh, when it was bad here, it was annoying. Like it was, you couldn't go outside without feeling like you were standing by a campfire. My kid came home sick from school one day. Yeah, it's so good. You know, you know what else is a natural disaster? <laughs> Critters eating people. It's like, well, actually, no, you're wrong though, because neither of these movies is it natural that it happens. In both cases, yeah, squirm kind of is. <laughs> the nest the nest kind of like takes a hard right about three quarters of the way through the movie well no i want you to tell us about squirm uh squirm there's a town and uh they had a big lightning storm and it knocked down some power cables those power cables making all the worms go crazy and all the townspeople get eaten by them worms that's that's, that's pretty much the entire plot. Like there, there's a there's a subplot with a weird rapey rednecky dude who gets worms in his face. Yeah, we're gonna have a discussion about him because there are competing theories on what the hell is going on there. So, yeah, is he like is he becoming a worm? Is he becoming one with the worms? I don't know. Did the worms get in his brain and make him wormy? 
I would say it's a 50-50 chance that he's like possessed by the worms and acting on behalf of the worms. Or he's just so mad that he got bit by worms that he's decided to go nuts and go after people. I don't know. I suppose. Well, because it's just at the end of the movie when you think he's dead and then he comes squirming across the floor and bites the guy's leg. I was yeah. like, yeah, it's got real weird. It's got real he's weird acting, there in the last couple of minutes. <laughs> he's acting very wormy. And you're like, I don't, is he becoming, is he like somehow becoming a worm? Cause weirdly that is what happens in the next movie. So it's very strange that in this one, they're like, yeah, it's not really explained. I didn't even know there was a squirm too. I mean, in the nest. I thought you meant that there was a squirm too, still squirming. <laughs> there should be. Somebody, somebody copyright that I missed. Make a couple of bucks when they make that movie. Oh, uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you what, for as being as straightforward and simple as it is, it's, it's all right. It's a pretty good movie. The wormy stuff is like sufficiently gross to keep you going. The only weird uh. thing is that. They keep having the worms scream, and they used like the pig slaughterhouse sound bite that's used in every horror movie for every horrible screaming sound. Yeah. You would be like, I don't, I don't think a worm sounds like a screaming pig. Well, no, not one worm, but a whole bunch of worms would, I suppose. I also know that up in, uh, or no, this is in Georgia, isn't it? I was thinking it was in New England for some reason. But apparently they got big old feisty ass worms that'll bite the shit out of you. Dude, the close ups of those worms, they made them actually look creepy. I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah, I was like, like those are oh. not those are not earthworms. I don't yeah, know what kind are, of worms those are. Those feel like some kind of weird worm They're that you find in like did, are those in North America? Yeah. Okay. All right. So worms that look like that exist in North America and they actually can bite. Uh as as far as I understand it. That is that is the thing. All right. Yeah, don't enjoy that. Yeah, I don't. I don't want them to bite me because they look creepy as shit when they get real up close with them. <laughs> you're leaving some of the important subplots out of your plot description, though. No, you're you're forgetting that like the first guy that gets eaten by worms is just a skeleton, and that for the rest of the movie, people are carrying parts of that skeleton around with them. <laughs> that is pretty great. It is probably my favorite part of this movie is that just in the middle of randomly, this one guy who's like a visitor to the town is like, I don't know who that skeleton is. So there's just the whole thing where he's like, he takes his girlfriend's little sister and they steal a human skull and break into a dentist's office and just do their own detective work, holding the skull up next to x-rays going, not it, not it, not it not it oh it's this one <laughs> either the like he's an antique dealer and she's like a farm girl so clearly they're qualified to do detective work and to judge dental x-rays i suppose i did also forget to mention that there's the stereotypical uh redneck georgia cop that's like hey you boy you a stranger here now yeah. how dare you breathe our georgia air <laughs> i don't like you in this town if I ever see you again, I'm taking you in. He keeps telling him to leave town. I love that he keeps telling him to leave town at a time when we've established that part of the terror of this is that people can't leave town. It's like you get out of town and it's like all the roads are flooded out, though. There's no way for me to leave. I said out of town. <laughs> it's so funny. 
brother. Like, we found a dead body. You did not. Get out of my town. Every time they try to talk to him. You think this is funny, pulling pranks on us Georgia folk? <laughs> you with your city learning? <laughs> with your city ways? Why don't you just get out? There's lots of, like, I don't know how they do it in the city, but around here. Good Lord. Great stuff, actually. It was real fun to watch. <laughs> Like, the tone of it was just right, where they're just like, look, this is a horror movie. We're going to do some horror movie shit. But this, so you don't get bored from all the plot. All the drama stuff is actually going to be kind of a comedy. I was going to say, I do, I do like the fact that, so they justify the fact that people are getting jacked up by these worms, by the fact that every time somebody gets attacked by worms, there are a million worms, right? Yeah. Except for a rednecky rapist dude. Who just like gets hit by three worms and they like burrow into his fucking face. Oh my god. Well, okay, just because not all the listeners will have seen the movie. Let's make it clear. He's on a boat and those are his bait worms, right? So that's why only a few attack him at once because there's only so many on the boat. Right. So plot wise, that makes complete sense. And then burrowing it under his skin like that. That also makes sense because somebody figured out how to do that special effect in 1976. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't care if it match, matches the plot of the movie or not. We're doing it because it looks awesome. Like it looks so good, and it's like it's just some practical effect that they did on low budget in the 70s. I don't understand how it looks that good. Yeah, this is this is definitely a uh, drive-through movie. I can't oh, yeah, I could for sure. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Uh, it's the type of movie that I fell asleep during like 20 minutes of it and woke up and was not thrown off by where the story was. Oh, story. That's funny. <laughs> uh, you you probably missed a scene of the city guy ordering a fancy drink at the restaurant and uh, them not knowing how to make it. That's the kind of stuff you missed. They did, they did try to Blair Witch the shit out of this before Blair Witch, in which, you know, they try to say, be like, no, this is a true story that happened in a Georgia town in <laughs> in uh, Flies Balls, Georgia, or whatever the fuck the name of that town is. But I love in the trivia, it's like, not only is this not true, that town does not exist. <laughs> you know what I really liked about this movie was the attempt to make it seem realistic by establishing that it there is a scientific basis for if you electrocute worms they become evil and attack you because the one guy is like yeah no the guy that runs a worm farm is like missing a finger and it's from the time that they tried to electrocute worms in the past so it's like this is established science we know this now we don't have to worry about like nobody can question it anymore well well you know what the crazy thing is if i remember correctly that's actually a real thing you can do god damn it you can like like no, not not that they become savage, but you can hypersaturate the ground and then electrocute it, and all the worms will come out. Yeah, I think that is true. I think that part makes sense. No. Like you you put water in the ground, electrocute it, it basically all the worms come running out. I think you're just basically shocking worms, and they run out, run for safety. You know what you, I mean? You make them dance, all wormy like. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the power can go out. You could go upstairs to check on the bathroom and open the door. And find that the entire room is filled with worms. That's, that's pretty great. That's a pretty great <laughs> moment in the movie. So I do. I do also like the fact that they went, man. This ending's kind of grim. How about the sisters just been the hiding in a box? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, they're all dead. We just have to. We just have to run. We have to climb this tree. We all know worms can't climb trees. You know the worms knocked that tree over earlier because during the worm rampage, they decided to knock a tree onto a house, and they somehow worked together and did it. I don't know if you guys read about that, but that scene. Uh, apparently that there is no trickery and no special effects. They literally dropped a fucking tree on a room full of actors and just told them, okay, whenever we cue, run away from the table. Jesus Christ. That's weird. I didn't know this movie was made in Italy. Yeah. I was reading that. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. And then some of the actresses and stuff were doing interviews and they were like, yeah, they fucking dropped a tree on us. (laughs) Well, it looks really good. I'm glad that they did that. It it does look really good because it's genuine terror. (laughs) That's hilarious. Seventies were awesome, man. (laughs) And they they talked about this house. I guess the director was stunt, man. The the director was really putting a lot of pressure on him to stay at that table for as long as possible because, you know, he was like, we're actually going to destroy this room. So uh, we only get one shot. So I really need you guys to sit there till the last second. Like that tree is really going to take out like two walls and a ceiling of this house. So we need you to stay underneath it for as long as possible. <laughs> You guys are replaceable. Really, the house isn't, though. We can only get this shot once. What a psychopath. I love it. I will say, it does feel like there's not a lot that happens throughout this movie. Because there isn't. Yeah. That's kind of a bummer. I was hoping for more uh, savage, wormy action. Yeah, it is a... It's a 70s movie, right? So it does that thing where it's like slow build, slow build, crazy ending. Um, Whereas if this movie had been made five years later in the 80s, it would have been, you know a few more wormy kills along the way. Yeah. Cause the next movie, which I mean, I didn't enjoy the scene, but they at least had like a dog get killed by, by the creatures. Yeah. They had, well, and, you know, other people in danger. Yeah. In this one, they did, they did a little bit of that with like the skeleton and some other stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough. I agree. It's just the era it was made in. Sure. I always love. Have you guys ever noticed? I don't. I don't know if you guys pay attention to this because you know I'm a fat sack of shit, so I pay real close attention to food and stuff in movies. Every time I watch a movie from the '70s, somebody orders some piece of food that I'm like, "What in the fuck is going on right now?" That dude was drinking a fucking egg cream. Like nobody yeah. drinks that shit. Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck is egg cream?" Yeah, do you know what it actually is? No. It's so it's it's essentially you make chocolate milk and then you add carbonated water to it. Which they, they they walk you through the recipe in the movie. I don't know why you guys are <laughs> needing to discuss it now. The guy sits there and explains it to the bartender to how to make it because he wasn't. I didn't catch that. I must have yeah. been looking at something else, but I, I think it's 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 their way of making him a douchebag like it's the modern equivalent to him walking into a small town coffee shop and ordering a skinny latte and everyone's like we sell coffee here not whatever you're talking about that's what that's what they're this is their 70s equivalent to that but i've never heard of an egg cream before i did not know those existed i've i've heard of it before because i know it's like a regional thing it's like something that existed in new england somewhere but 
Yeah, okay. I don't know. That. It it's, like, weird. it's like watching fucking Duel and shit. The guy orders a cheese sandwich. I'm like, who the fuck orders a cheese sandwich? That's not a thing on a menu anywhere. That doesn't <laughs> exist. I figured you'd bring up Duel. I mean, technically, this is Duel with worms when you think about it. Yeah. Man, man versus enraged worm. Um, you should mention, we haven't really talked about the guy... It's coming to visit some girl who I don't even remember if they even acknowledged how they met. They met at an antiques trade show. Oh. He's an antique dealer from the city, and she does oh. like the local antique shop. So, all right, I couldn't remember that. But yeah, he's coming to town and staying with her. She's obviously an adult. He's obviously an adult. But her mom is like, I don't appreciate him staying in this house. Yeah, that's like supposed. To, well, I mean. You quit touching each other in impure ways. If you, if your kids still lived at home with you and then they're like, I went on a work trip for a day and I met this guy. So next month he's just going to come stay at our house for a week. You'd probably be a little weirded out too. I, I mean, think the whole scenario is very strange. Not to, not to be insulting to the South, but I'm pretty sure if you lived in Georgia, that's like a normal gross thing. You think so? Like you guys I met like, my I'm, fifth cousin. It's also weird, too, because there is this, like, storm that has wiped out power to the town, and it affects his decision to come not at all. Like, the the bus is like, like, again, he's met this girl for, like, an afternoon at a work event, and the bus is like, we can't get through to town, and he's like, just drop me off here, I'll hike through the woods to find her. That'll work. It's so important to him. Like, <laughs> I'll just, I really, I'll just really wander through this swamp. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, and then the the rednecky guy is her neighbor, who apparently is definitely into her, but only seems to uh, care about that when uh, city folk shows up. Well, he's spying on her through the window at the beginning of the movie. Oh, that's right, that's right. And he does that, that. He does that really when he's a skeleton, and he hides it from the police so that she'll be able to sell it in her antique shop. That's his plan. So you know, he's, he's trying his best. He just he's not really smooth. That's all. Them antique skeletons. It's, well, and she when she finds out that that's what he's doing, she's like, "Well, I could get like a hundred bucks for it." I'm like, "I don't." It's a hundred dollars. I know it's the '70s and money is different, but is that worth risking the charges that would come with hiding police evidence and then trying to sell human remains for a profit? Like that, that feels like you'd get charged with something if you did that. Truth, uh, defiling a corpse, probably. Yeah, I'm sure. There's all kinds of fun stuff you get charged with. I mean, at a minimum, it's obstruction of justice. If you, if the police come looking for a dead body and you've hidden it in your truck so that no one will know it's there. Like, uh. yeah. yeah, I will yeah. say this, this movie, there isn't a lot going on in this movie and until like shit hits the fan at the end of the movie. And then it's like, yeah. whoa, calm down. That, that, house, <laughs> that house full of worms is amazing, though. Like the worms are just piling up to the point where they're like coming up the stairs because the living room is just full of worms. I love that. Like like when that one guy falls into it and it becomes submersed in worms like it's water. That's amazing. And then just crawls out of it and starts crawling up the stairs. Yeah, because again, he might be, he's on their team at this point. So Yeah. He he may or may not be one with the worms. Yeah, we don't understand what's happened to him, so He he may be becoming the Quizak Satarak. That was funny. You motherfuckers need to read. I don't I don't I don't know what that is. The dude. No, it's a don't. Brian, now no. he's going to explain it. 
That's why I don't um, know it. I've, I've not seen either Dune movie or read any of the books. In, so what in one of the books, the, the main character's son becomes infected with the worms and he turns into a giant worm with a human face. It's just like, just like Freddy. Yeah, kind of. Dune, Dune ripped it off from Freddy. We all agree with that. Um, what about the moment in this film when she goes to take a shower and she turns the thing and worms start coming out the shower head, but then when she turns the water off, they go back up. That's so dumb. The worms have somehow like not only have they gotten into the plumbing, but they're obeying it. When you turn it on, they come out. When you turn it off, they don't. It's just amazing. That was like her third shower scene of the movie, too. Yeah, she got all dirty looking at skeletons earlier. She had to take a shower. It's totally worth noting that like the it's the 1970s and they had a mildly attractive girl in it. So they needed her to take off her clothes multiple times. That the opening scene of this is a shower scene. Like it's it's just a she's behind the shower curtain and it. She's not so she's not fully exposed, but it's just the opening shots are that. And I'm like, oh, this movie does belong in our podcast, I guess. <laughs> Man, I had a good time watching this movie. I was nervous to watch it because I've heard about it, but I've never seen it till now. And I'm just like, man, I, I that's why I decided to make you guys watch it with me in case it sucked. <laughs> then we could just complain about it. But it was it was a real good time. It was just because it's like I think the other thing is it's like what an hour and twenty eight minutes. It's like so for us saying oh not that much went on. It's like well the last twenty minutes is really busy. So you only have an hour ten to fill. Got to have a couple of characters doing a couple of wacky things and that weird three way date that they have on the boat and stuff. Yeah, like I said, we said a lot of it's just uh, hey, there's a guy from the city. Well, we need to run over and do this. Oh, something weird. Let's go back home. They get back home like, well, let's go check this thing out. Just a lot of that in the beginning of this movie. Yeah, a lot of the times, like if something strange happens, they're like, "We got to go home." But then they go home and they don't do anything. It's just like they, it's just it's just like a reset button. They go home and then they just go on their next adventure. There's that one point, like when he falls in like the swamp and he's covered in mud and shit, and they go, "Well, we'll go home and you can change clothes." And then they get home and somebody's like, "There's a good bar in town." And he's like, "Well, let's go to it." And they're like, "What about your clean clothes?" And he's just like, "That'll have to wait. No time to change before we go back out." It's gonna, <laughs> gonna go to the bar dressed in my swamp drenched clothes. And then worms ate a bunch of people, which is really this whole movie. <laughs> but not enough. All, all this other stuff we're talking about is like so irrelevant. All that really happened in this movie was like they found that one dead body and they're like, what could have happened? And then later we see close ups of the worms with teeth. So we're like, a bit, that's what happened. And then like two lines of dialogue to explain the electricity turns the worms evil. And then the worms went in that one guy's face. And then later they just attacked that house and knocked a tree on it and completely overtook the living room. Yeah. The worms knocked a tree on a house. So we should just probably say that one more time before we move on. <laughs> the worms knocked a tree onto a house. Oh, the 70s, man. Uh, all right. Anything else? Worms knocked yeah, a tree on movie, a house. Yeah, this movie's great, though. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I'm, it sounds like three positive reviews are coming, right? Brian, you're a little uh, mixed. I'm a little bit more mixed, but like I said, I did fall asleep for like 20 minutes, so yeah, take that uh, into consideration, I guess. Um, 
it is a significant portion of it, a relatively short film. So, <laughs> yeah, I saw the dude fall into the into the lake, and he got worms in his face. And then I nodded off and woke up and saw him still running around with worms in his face. So, yeah, don't feel like I missed a whole lot. I feel like maybe you then did miss the scene with them with the, running around with the skeleton head. Yes, I believe. Just it just like passing it back and forth like it was a normal thing to be yeah. walking through town with a skeleton head. Yeah, I did see that because he was holding it like with his shirt in his hand. <laughs> yeah. And then he just gives it to the girl directly in her hands. And the best like, thing right. is that it takes him a little bit of effort to like the skull just doesn't just come off that skeleton. He's <laughs> got to break that skull off that skeleton. <laughs> Which is probably, it wasn't, it was a recently deceased corpse. It probably was still sticking together with whatever kind of gooey stuff is inside a human body. Uh, all right, Doug, do you want to tell us about The Nest? The Nest from 1988. Um, small town. Strange things start happening. Um, the mayor's daughter has returned to town for his birthday, which has set up a strange love triangle between her ex-boyfriend, the sheriff, her and the local diner owner. Uh, turns out cockroaches are eating everything in town. And later we find out that they're actually evil, genetically modified cockroaches. And they can, they basically were designed to, so the, the science is that they designed a special breed of cockroach that would eat other cockroaches, released them onto this island to theoretically rid the island of cockroaches, which would then be a good way to pesticide. And they're supposed to die off after one generation, but instead they mutated and merged with the other cockroaches. And now that that has happened for several generations and they've turned into these flesh eating monster cockroaches. And later we get to see them merge with some other things and attack the people, try to eat everyone. And it's pretty, pretty cool when they start merging with other things. That's about the plot, right? Yeah, what's weird about that? What do you, what do you, it's it's said 1988. If you told a person this this movie is about uh, a swarm of cockroaches that eat people, they would start watching this movie and they would go, "Yeah, this is exactly what I was expecting it to be," and then be like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> it is, man. So like the first little while, like, and it's. I, I had a blast watching this movie. I'll just say that right off the bat. At the beginning, though, you're right. It's exactly what you expect. It's like the girl's walking through the field, and then there's like something in the field, and the grass is shaking, and it's making that weird noise. And it's the same special effect for basically any animal that they want to have attacking people through, like 1978 through 1989. There was just like the grass is shaking when you hear the noise, and she's running, but she doesn't know what she's running from. And then around the time that they find that deceased dog. And it's just all eaten to shit. You start going, oh, man, they're going to they're going to go full gore on this one. Like, we're going to probably get to see some people get eaten. And then when the, the scientist lady shows up on the island and it starts taking that weird twist into, oh, yeah, no, that cat that we watched the meat. Now they're merging with the cat. And now that evil little thing is going around. <laughs> and when they finally get to that, like like what we were saying possibly happened in the other movie where they merge with the guy and he becomes that weird monster thing. His daughter has to blow him off. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This movie went crazy <laughs> in the last half. There's just that wacky, like, uh, it's like pesticide guy that's just like running around the whole movie, like trying to take out cockroaches. He can never do anything right. It's good stuff. They do a much better job spacing like the kills out too, where you get like increasingly big kills throughout. 
the uh, the movie. So like you get you know at the beginning, it's just like animal. Oh, the very first thing is that they've eaten the glue out of all the books in the library, which is a funny little way to start your movie. Then they eat the meat out of the grocery store, and then they take over and start eating actual living things and work their way up to humans. So it's pretty fun. Uh, so the sheriff's kind of a dick. Why? Why do you say that? Uh, his ex girlfriend comes to town, and he's like, "Oh, I, current girlfriend. Uh, who cares? Whatever." I know. It's real bad. It's like <laughs> it's it's like they wanted to set up a love triangle storyline, and then the, in the middle, they're like, "We have to get to a half cockroach, half cat monster in this movie. We don't have time for a plot." <laughs> so they just gave up on it, and it just it he just comes across as this like dick who's been like dating this one girl. And like basically just dating her because the other girl left, and then the other girl's back, and he's like, "All right, you know, enough of that." Yeah, we can sleep it's together. So I, have, I have no qualms about it. Yeah. it it's a, it's such an unnecessary thing. Yeah, we could have just had the she the the diner lady is into him. Yeah, but, but they're not dating, and then it can play out the same way, and yeah. and no complicated. Uh, Oh, so he's just gonna just gonna have sex with her with, while he's got a girlfriend. All right, cool. Yeah, there there was no need for that um, that particular thing to happen, and it was just especially because he he has that whole conversation with the other girl's dad, who's kind yeah. of a, a a weird old coot guy, and he's like, "Are you gonna marry my daughter?" And he's like, "You know, I like her a lot, although I'm gonna go fuck this other girl." <laughs> I didn't know that the mayor's daughter was coming back to town. Right. She moved to Los Angeles. Let's see. Uh, the daughter of the bum who just hangs out at the garbage dump or the mayor's daughter? Yeah, yeah. Which one do you think I'm going to take? It's, it's like whatever poor man's earn is a Borg 9. <laughs> okay, is the poor man's earn is Borg 9. I love the scene where the old guy has stolen a boat and the sheriff just has to go to him and be like, look, if you just, if you just take the boat back, I'll let it go. But like, come on, man, you can't just steal boats. Like, <laughs> like, why is that scene in this movie? All that stuff is just so strange to me. And there's the weird, like, cause it's an eighties film. They, they want to have like that young character who always has headphones in. And then that way they can obviously be in the next room while a kill is happening and they don't notice. Right. Um, which I think is just directly taken from Terminator the way it's done. But it's, it's so funny when they insert stuff like that. Cause they're just like, well, you put stuff like this in a movie, right? You have a, you have a relationship between him and her. So we just, we just need that. We're, we're just here to watch cockroaches eat people. No one cares about any of that stuff. What about that part where the scientist lady puts her hand in like that compartment? Cause she's doing her testing. So she's the, one of those like rubber gloves, like Homer uses for, handling nuclear material. And then she's like, oh shit, they're like biting right through the glove. Then she pulls her hand out and it's all covered in blood. Gross. Yeah, how about how she's just like, they're biting me. Yeah, they're yeah. biting me. I don't know. This is amazing. They're biting me. The guy has to be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Take your hand out. <laughs> can, we, can we just stop and say cat roach again because cat roach is the best part of the whole movie <laughs> it's pretty good yeah 
it's oh man yeah it's just this gross like hairless cat that's covered in blood and is part cockroach i mean it whatever it dies and that guy accidentally pushes that cabinet over on top of it that's pretty great too (laughs) (laughs) that's in their whole during their whole other subplot that we forgot to mention which is that they're going to pesticide the island, but in order to kill the cockroaches, the pesticides have to be strong enough to kill the humans as well. So they have to, like, if there's still going to be humans on the island, they have to have the lighthouse lit. So there's a whole subplot where the lighthouse just won't work. They keep having to <laughs> fight with the electricity to get it to work for some reason. Again, no one cares. It's just about the cockroaches. What did you guys think of the like the puppet work when the mayor finally gets taken over by cockroaches and he turns into a giant cockroach? Uh, it's pretty gross, which is great. Yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah, it's pretty good. I liked when he was like walking towards his daughter and like parts of him started to fall off and the like puppet thing was underneath. I mean, I guess you're not supposed to call it a puppet; you're supposed to call it the giant cockroach, but it was clearly a puppet. Yeah, yeah. this movie was this movie was so much fun just because it was just. Grossness, just grossness thrown at the screen for some reason. And weird, silly subplots about you know nonsense. Yeah, oh, man, that dude, that dude drinking his uh, coffee with a roach swimming around in it was just Whoa. unacceptable. <laughs> that's, that's the scariest part of the movie. You're like, oh, he's gonna, oh, no, he's gonna, oh, there it is. He's about to, oh, <laughs> yeah. How about that crazy uh, thing at the end? I don't even know how to describe it. The multi-person conglomeration roach. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it either. Ryan, you try. Uh, multi-combination person roach? Like Noah just said? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty spectacular at the end. Like, again, this movie does what the other movie did which is at the end shit just gets insane except this movie was already gory through most of it so when when they rank it up they've just got to like really crank it up <laughs> i did just notice there's a major flaw in the film no one just accidentally alerted me to it but at the beginning we see him drinking his coffee and it's got the roach in it right yeah. But then throughout the film, we see that he constantly goes to get his coffee from the coffee shop so he can see the girl. So that's a continuity error, really. Why would he be drinking his coffee at home if he gets his thermos filled constantly there? It's like his rotating thermos system throughout the film. So, What took it to be that was leftover coffee from the day before? Yeah, but that, that proves my point even more, though. Because he takes his thermos and he, and he goes, he takes two thermoses and puts them at the diner. And she fills one up for him. And then when he runs out of coffee, he goes back to the diner and switches them out. Oh. So why would he have leftover coffee at home? Doesn't make any sense. That's what I'm saying. Maybe he didn't drink all his coffee the day before. Took took the thermostat home with him. Thermostat. Took the thermos home with him. He had coffee. I don't, I don't know. He was I, sleeping in that like, I, oh my god, I drank way too much the night before. Considering yeah. he was still in his sheriff uniform. Yeah, that's the other thing is like they did heavily imply that he was like drunk as shit while still in his work uniform, and nobody brings that up. Like you're the sheriff of a small town, you think you change before you get drinking. But they also like that's another funny part of the movie that is just like they have that typical scene where 
he's like, I am going to go and destroy the cockroaches. And the mayor is like, I'm ordering you not to. And he's like, I knew it would come to this. And he takes his badge off and he hands it to the mayor. Like, I'm no longer your sheriff. And then he he's still wearing his uniform for the remainder of the movie. And he's driving around in the police vehicle and he's constantly using the radio to call back to the station and give people orders and tell them what to do. <laughs> he's just still completely acting like the sheriff. Because nobody knows he's quit yet, I guess. It's the 80s, right? There's no internet. So people won't find out sure. until the memo goes around the office the next day. <laughs> it's it's really funny that he like makes such a big deal out of quitting. And then they just basically continue to have him acting as the sheriff for the remainder of the film. Technically, wouldn't the sheriff have to listen to stuff that the mayor tells him? So the mayor's like, I order you. And he can be like, fuck you. You're not my boss. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I, I, I guess it depends on the state. Like, cause it, would mayor be an elected official in New England state? Yeah. But then sheriff would be an elected elected official as well, wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, some places. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. Definitely your sheriff shouldn't be an elected official. That's a crazy way to run a country by having you know the law enforcement elected by the people. But that is what you guys do. So That's what we do in Peoria. I don't. I don't always understand you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, but about the movie though, uh, cockroaches are gross. Cockroaches are gross, and they are like it's surprising how rarely they're used in horror films. Because when you see them in a movie like this, you're like, oh, of course, they're inherently gross. People automatically dislike them. Like nobody has a pet cockroach. You know what I mean? So it's like. You'd think they would use them more. Like you just, all you need is like two lines of dialogue to explain why they're evil now. And there you go. Right. Yeah. Done mimic on the show before? I don't believe we have done mimic. I, haven't, I don't think I've seen it since we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, because I mean, sure, it's kind of a plot point where they genetically engineer cockroaches to kill off bad cockroaches. Yeah. And they mutate. I haven't seen that movie in so long. We should just, yeah, we should add it to the list. We'll find a way to do that. Let's not get into one of our planning sessions on Mike, <laughs> but we'll go on the list. What about that scene when the cockroaches take over the diner? And for some reason, this movie becomes a slapstick comedy film for about three minutes. Yeah. Why doesn't she just fucking run out the door? Yeah. Instead, she like is constantly trying to kill cockroaches while spewing like Schwarzenegger-esque phrases at them. Like she, when she throws the cockroaches in the microwave, I forget what she says, but she's got like a line of dialogue and she pushes the button and it overheats the cockroaches and kills them. And she like slams some in the till and she's like, I can't break a hundred. And she's like, want some more, want a refill? And she pours coffee on top of them. Like, I don't know why she's doing all this, but it's funny. <laughs> I also don't know why there's a comedy scene in the middle of this horror film, but it's fine. Yeah, that's, that was so weird. That's like the last time we see her because <clears throat> then the sheriff goes to like find her because suddenly he's concerned and then finds her that she had locked herself in the freezer to get away from him and she died. Yeah, which is interesting, though, because there's also this like the subplot of this where if you freeze the cockroaches, that actually works. So they're all using like uh, fire extinguishers. So she actually had the right idea. She somehow did figure out the proper plan. Um, Just forgot you know forgot that uh humans can die from cold as well so yeah i don't know is there anything else to talk about for this movie 
It's like not really a lot to it. It's just, hey, we genetically engineer these cockroaches. Yeah, no. Sucks for everybody. I mean, it's it's a super fun movie. It's very like it's it's if somebody told you killer cockroach movie from nineteen eighty eight, you already start to get an idea of what this is gonna be, and you're not wrong. It's a small town. You know, there's obviously a returning character who's going to have a romance with one of the leads. There's, you know, all this stuff is kind of just typical, but it's done in a really fun way, which is a lot of 80s horror is that. It's, you know, predictable and typical, however, done in a fun way. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, what did everybody watch since last episode? Uh, I only watched two things. I guess three things if you include uh, Secret Invasion. Okay. Uh, one of them we're doing in a future episode, so we won't talk about that. Okay. Uh, and then I rewatched the Dungeons and Dragons movie, and it was pretty good. The New Orleans? Yeah, it was still good. Second, second time, yeah. still pretty funny. Nice. That's a good time. That's it. That's, that's it. I'm, I'm assuming we're going to talk about Secret Invasion at the end. Uh, yeah, we should probably talk about that and the Flash at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, I went and saw the Flash, too. What was the thing you watched that is going to be on a future show? Uh, Barbarians. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's been, that's no, one no, of those, like... No, he's just telling us... List. He's telling us that he's going to pick that next time. It's his, it's his turn to pick. I don't know. He's not going to want to rewatch it. I, I might. It was real good. I had a real good <laughs> no. time with it. It's so a. That, it's basically a cut since we started. I think it's well, one of the OGs. It was. Just, it was one of the ones we I couldn't find, but right now it's it's on stuff. So and I found the other one as well. It's listen. It's a Canon Conan knockoff. Come on, come on, guys, come on, buddy. Good, pretty good selling feature. I'm not gonna lie. Right. <laughs> what did you watch, Doug? A few things. I watched the movie Death Ship from 1980, which is, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's. I have not. You know, guys are, are, people are on a cruise, boat gets uh, sunk. So they're on like a life raft and they find this haunted ship and climb on it. And, you know, in 80s fashion, start to get, you know, they're, so naturally one of them becomes evil and wants to join the ship's side. And, uh, the other ones, all sorts of weird shit starts happening. So you get like the one guy, his foot gets tangled in a rope, but because it's like an evil rope, it like dangles him over the side a while before it like <laughs> drops him into the ocean and stuff. Um, movie's pretty fun. Like, there's, I guess, spoiler alert. It turns out it's a Nazi boat, which is why it's evil and haunted. Um, and actually, like in some countries, this is called Nazi zombies. Um, so I guess it's not a spoiler alert if you Google international posters for the movie, but it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of fun to be had. It's just this random group of individuals running around this haunted ship and being chased. And then when they finally have this moment where they find like the Nazi, Nazi torture room that's on 
death ship. They're like, it's pretty fun to watch it. And there's a moment where a guy falls like into a pit and he's like, hey, I landed on something in this pit. And then what he landed on was a giant net full of uh, dead bodies that are like semi decomposed. So now he's climbing around on all those, which is pretty good. <laughs> and I enjoy the performance from the uh, the guy who plays the captain. And I wish. Uh, see, the problem is that because we didn't record last week, it's been a little while since I watched this. So, so I don't have the actors names off the top of my head, but the, a couple of the performances are really fun. Um, one of the one of the characters is played by the guy that played Colonel Troutman in First Blood, and it's, he's actually surprisingly good in a horror film. Like he's, he plays it really well. Richard Crenna. Yes, and then the other guy is again. I don't know his name. I could, I guess, theoretically look it up right now, but I'm not going to. But he's like <laughs> the the older, like big guy from Cool uh, and Luke that was friends with Cool and Luke. He plays like the ship's captain and he's being forced into retirement. And then the other guy is going to be taking over. So when they end up on this death ship and the Nazis start to like Nazi ghost, whatever, it's like possessing the captain. So he now is turning on the other guy for air quotes, taking his ship away from it. It, it, There's lots of fun to be had. So it's one that's been on my watch list like forever. I think I used to try to convince you and Scott to do it one. Our old podcast, Brian. And, uh, you know, you got to pick movies too. You probably could have just picked it. I probably could have. I don't know. I think I, I think it was on our list for the old podcast, and then it got that list was taken away. We had to get rid of Scott and bring in this Noah character. <laughs> but anyways, it's, it's yeah, over it, the weekend. Did you? No. <laughs> anyways, that's, the, that's the end of the story. That's good. That's all we needed. Anyways, yeah, Death Ship is a good time. People should watch it. Um, yeah, I've seen the cover like forever. I've just never watched it. Yeah, I love. That's what I love about Two B now. It's like because you can. It's basically like going to the video store. You're just looking at cover art and picking something based on that. Okay, cover art, and I got a brief description, and that's what I'm going with. And if you hover over it too long and you're indecisive, it'll just automatically start it for you. So there you go. That might be how I ended up watching this one. That's how you end up watching a lot of stuff. Yeah, it is. It's uh, the next thing I watched because I found out that Wes Craven directed it. And I always get so disappointed in myself when I realize I haven't ever made it through Wes Craven's entire filmography. So just never went back and watched his TV stuff until now. But uh, Invitation to Hell is uh one I watched this week. Starring one Susan Lucci. Yes. It's uh so I'm trying to think of who else was in this. Anyways, uh, it doesn't really matter who else was in it, but it's Robert Urich, I think is his name, who was like a TV star in the eighties. He wow. plays like a, a computer specialist who takes a job like uh at a in a big news computer company, moves to this like new town to take the job and his like college buddy is one of the top salesmen for the company so he's like introducing him around and, and all that and they keep trying to pressure him to join this this health club in town but you guys you guys aren't going to believe this uh the health club turns out it's evil so what? i know it's really shocking <laughs> so it's this it's this whole thing where like the health club's evil and it's like trying to it ends up 
they convinced his wife and kids to join without him and all this stuff like that. But all the people who joined it are actually end up doing like really well in the in this company. So they're all like there. And it has this great subplot where part of him being brought into this company is to help because he's developing this new kind of sensor and they're going to use these sensors to put on a new spaceship, which will allow people to travel to Venus because it can handle like extreme temperatures and it can, uh, and this kind of stuff. So turns out in order to get into the basement of this health club where he went to save his family, he has to walk through like a really hot space. So it turns out real convenient that he was developing a new space suit that can handle the hot temperatures <laughs> and his sensors have the ability to detect um, non-human life. So that's the whole idea is that they'll be on the space chute. And when they're walking around Venus, if there's any aliens up there, up there, it will be able to detect them and determine if they're hostile. And so you get lots of fun moments where like the Susan Lucci character walks through the lab and the suit just like blinks and it's like non-human entity detected in cheesy, like, 80s graphics of like what they thought modern computer screens were going to look like. I mean, it's fun if you're in the mood for a made-for-TV horror film. You know, yeah, it has the limitations of being made-for-TV horror film, so keep that in mind. But it's uh, since I guess since it's Wes Craven, it's much more competently made than most of the other ones. Yeah, it's one I still need to see. I think it's the last one of his I haven't seen yet. Besides. His porn stuff that we had talked about and his uh, so Music of the Heart, the like serious movie he did for the Weinstein Company. I'd have to go back and check. There's at least one more of these made-for-TV ones that I haven't seen. It'd be Summer of Fear with Linda Blair. Oh, I've seen that one. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I have that one on Blu-ray. Of course you do. <laughs> Allow me to pretend to be surprised. What? Uh, what else did I watch? Oh yeah, I watched a movie called The Las Vegas Serial Killer. I'm what's using it, what's term, it about? I'm using the term movie very loosely. <laughs> it is uh, like an hour and 16 minutes long. I would say roughly 50% of the runtime is just establishing shots of people walking around Vegas. <laughs> um, and then every now and again, there's this dude that just strangle someone that's his method of killing um yeah barely a movie but it's it's the cheesiest plot in the world is basically this guy who's a confessed serial killer gets out of jail because the criminal psychologists think he's not actually a serial killer that he's lying so he just goes back to vegas to continue his serial killing but then for some reason, there's just a scene where they're announcing this on the news and these two guys are like in a hotel room and they're like, well, I guess we should go to Vegas. And so now they're in Vegas on a crime spree and the two keep almost crossing paths. <laughs> so there's a there's a scene in this movie where. So these two criminals are going to go rob a guy and they grab his secretary and throw her in the trunk of a car and then they drag him into his office to rob him. And then the serial killer just happens to be walking by <laughs> by sheer coincidence and he hears like the banging on the trunk of the car so he opens it up and this girl sits up and she's like oh thank god you're here to save me and then he strangles her to death and just leaves her body in the trunk and closes it and walks away again <laughs> and, and i don't know how to not enjoy that yeah that seems weird 
<laughs> it's so weird. There's a scene in this movie where there's just like a typical like Las Vegas party going on and everyone's like hanging out by the pool and this one guy goes to get a drink and then the serial killer just comes out of the bushes, grabs the girlfriend, pulls the top off of her bikini, uses it to strangle her to death and walks away. Sure. It's, you know, again, hour 16 minutes and uh, half of that is just shots of people walking around. Vegas, there's also several shots of um, our serial killer just goes into like strip clubs and just hangs out, has a drink, and then maybe strangles one of the strippers after. Depends on <laughs> what his mood is like that day. It's there's almost no plot. I couldn't tell you the name of any of the characters. There's certainly no actors in this. Do you know when this was made? 1986. Oh, so the 80s movie. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, it. If the exact same thing was made today, I would not enjoy it at all. But it has that cheesy 80s magic to it. So Weird. But that's that scene where that girl gets thrown in the trunk. And then like when the guy opens it up, she's like, what is this? Some kind of prank? And he just strangles her to death. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me so happy. Because it's just so dumb, I think, is all. Because <laughs> somebody was like, okay, so what you're going to do is going to hear banging on the trunk. You're going to walk by, lift the lid up, and then strangle her. Yeah. So I'm going to give you uh, an idea of the quality of filmmaking we're dealing with here, yeah. uh, which is that they do this thing where um, in order to kind of let you know what's going on, they have the news playing in the background, and it'll be like, oh, such and such a serial killer is being released today, and he's expected to return to the Las Vegas area. And then later they're like, this body was discovered and it's the news story of the person we saw killed in the previous thing. But they end up playing like every newscast twice for some reason. And I think it's just to pad the runtime of the film or to add noise to the runtime of the film because they don't have enough dialogue to actually fill up an hour and 16 minutes. So it's, it's a real problem, which is, I mean, it's, it's where I get to my barely a movie description of this movie. <laughs> but for some reason, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so... I don't know how to explain that to you other than just because it was so dumb that it was like, it was like Saturday morning at like nine o'clock. And I'm like, I don't have time for a full movie. I was flipping through the streaming services and I'm like, Oh, this one's only like an hour 16. I do have time for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then the last thing I watched, which was actually a real movie and was actually quite good. Um, the Philadelphia Experiment, 1984. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen it? I have not seen this, but I have seen The Philadelphia Experiment 2. Okay. Because it was on TV or something, and I caught, like, the last, like, two-thirds of it. I almost watched it because I enjoyed this one that much that I almost watched it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so what it is is it's 1943. They're doing some experiment. Again, they're experimenting with electricity. That's a theme of this week's show. <laughs> is And they're, they're trying to do something where it makes ships not visible to radar. And the ship disappears. Um, and we follow two of the characters who have magically time-traveled forward to 1984. And they go, on like a, they go on a series of adventures and meet people. And some of it is like a little bit of fish-out-of-water stuff. And they eventually find out that there's the same scientist is running another experiment in 1984 using large bursts of energy 
and it's created like a wormhole between the two times. And so it, it creates this neat time loop effect where, I mean, I guess I'm spoiling this, but it's, it's really quite fun. Um, so at one point, this guy like tracks down this scientist, walks into the room with him, and he's like, yeah, you're going to have to go in there and you're going to have to shut off these machines, which will cut the power, which will cut this time loop, because if you don't, it's going to continue to suck different things into it. And the guy's like, you can't tell me what to do. And he's like, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what you already did, because back in 1943, when the other guys, when the ship reappeared, they told us that you did that. So we all know you're going to do it. It's just a question of when you do it. And it's a really fun kind of time loop moment. And he's like, well, do I survive? And they're and they're like, actually, you never came back. So we don't know what happened to you. And that's a little hint to what he a decision he makes to end the film, which I guess I can keep spoiler free, even though it's very predictable. Um but it is kind of a neat time loop storyline that they create there. And I really enjoyed it. Um, what's really interesting about this film. So John Carpenter produced this film mm-hmm. and it's from 1984. Yep. And so you have this weird character who'd like time travels. So he doesn't understand what's going on in the world around him. Right. He's confused and he's trying to get cross country to try to find these people that he thinks might be able to help him and he's not sure what to do. So he ends up, um, he, he kidnaps Nancy Allen and has her drive him cross country in her muscle car. And they sort of gradually start to form this bond where she eventually like teams up with him and they have a relationship and all that stuff. Right now. I don't know if you guys have seen Starman which was directed by John Carpenter and also came out in 1984. (laughs) It is about an alien who lands and he's confused and scared. So he hit taps. Uh, what's her name? Who's the other Alan? Who's the Alan that he kidnaps? Karen Allen. Karen Allen. Yeah. It makes her drive him cross country in the car. And it's the exact same thing happens. And it's weirdly similar to the point where like Karen Allen and, the alien character are riding on that train and they end up what, what, making love in the back of a train in this movie. It's they've snuck into the back of like a trailer that's being pulled behind a truck and the same thing happens. <laughs> it's like, it is weird. And I'm watching it the whole time and I'm thinking like, I can't believe the similarities. And then when I'm like checking IMDb and being like, same year, really? Like that's surprising. <laughs> so that was, that was fun. But I did really enjoy the movie. I thought it was really well done. It's, you know, it's kind of science fiction, but it's also a drama film about this guy trying to figure out what to do when he wakes up in this weird time frame. For these guys, there's two of them. Yeah. Um, and it's I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it has some other fun like comparables too. Like there's a scene where he like jumps in the car and he's like, "What's the date? What's the date?" And somebody's yelling the date. And he's like, "No, the year, the year." And I'm like, "This sounds just like Kyle Reese in Terminator." <laughs> and it, like it's also 1984, so I'm like, can't even be ripping off Terminator. There's no way. It's, it has to be a coincidence. But yeah, but I mean, and I remember enjoying what I saw of the other one. I mean, okay. I check check out the first one ever since, but yeah. Just never have. And it's, I think it's like inspired by like a true event of like some experiment that went wrong in World War II with trying to like, and some people claim it all 
time travel, but it really didn't. So yeah, because time travel is not real. So that's how I know it didn't. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, I remember hearing about it a lot. I, I had never seen it, and I thought this was a good way to find out if it was good or not. So it's interesting that you're saying the second one was good, too, because I debated whether to watch it. Yeah, but I mean, I was probably like 11 when I saw it, so don't uh, yeah, don't don't take any because uh, I think it, confidence it like, in that. I think it is like 1992 that one came out. So I uh, like that gives for some reason just saying 1992 gives me less faith in it. <laughs> like 1992, a sequel to a 1984 film tells me that this was ca- that it, it was a cash in. That's how it feels. Probably. But it could be good, I guess. And there's a remake as well, I think. Yeah. Or I should say there's like a 2012-ish film called The Philadelphia Experiment that I assume is a remake, but I don't actually know that. You're thinking Philadelphia with Tom Hanks? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm pretty sure that Philadelphia with Tom Hanks is about time travel, isn't it? I haven't seen it in a while, so... (laughs) I don't don't even know how Uh, to yeah, reading the description, it does look like a remake. I heard of that. So. It, and I, I mean, I don't have high hopes for it. It's, you know, this type of story, I think, works much better in the 80s than it would like in a modern time. Because modern time, somebody would just teach him how to Google shit. And he would just look up himself and find out, <laughs> and find out the whole story. You wouldn't have this like coming together of these characters moving across country and stuff. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so what, what about you, Brian? Did you watch anything? Uh, so I was showing the girlfriend uh, the fanboys because she had never seen it before. Oh, she's a big movie. she's a big Star Wars nerd, and she's like, I don't know why I've never even heard of this. So I'm like, I don't either because I feel like you should have. Yeah. Uh, so we watched it. It's a lot of fun. Um. Yeah. I love that movie. It's yeah. like, it's fun, but it's also poignant when it wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. For people who don't know, uh, takes place in 99 and some star Wars nerds plan out that we should like go and break into Skywalker ranch and steal a copy of phantom menace so we can see it before it comes out. Um, and everybody thinks that's kind of, ridiculous or whatever but um then they find out one of the characters has like terminal cancer like no cure whatsoever so they decide to go ahead and do it and uh so it's just like a cross-country uh, road trip movie with cameos by a lot of famous people for some reason it's really weird because it's like i don't know how they had the budget for all these cameos right and like some of the stuff is like like um, like I'm sure Kevin Smith wasn't exactly expensive to get into cameo in your movie as long as it had Star Wars related yeah. stuff in it. And some of it makes sense, but like, how did they get William Shatner in this? Yeah, that I don't know. William Shatner, Billy D. Williams, Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. Seth Rogen in three different parts. Yeah, I guess it was. I think this would have been made before he was famous. So. Yeah, yeah, because it sat on the shelf for like four years or something. Yeah, it was one of those weird ones that they made, and then they're like, oh, it has like kind of a sad ending. And then they're like, so we're ju- we'll just not release it at all? 
rather than like you know what I mean. Yeah. And then it eventually got like a DVD drop, and like everyone I know that has seen it, that is like especially Star Wars fans, like love it. Yeah, yeah, so, it's a lot of fun. So some like the cast is great. Like uh, Jay Baruchel is good in it. Um, what's her name? What's the girl from Kristen Bell? It's really Kristen fun. Bell. It. And then uh, that guy that's. He's on The Walking Dead now, or was on The Walking Dead. Until oh, Dan Dan Fogler? Yeah, I love yeah, Dan Fogler. Yeah. He's really funny in it. Like, he does yeah. a great job, so. Yeah, it's a lot of there's, fun. There's lots to love about that movie. Oh, it's uh, definitely worth a watch, even if you're not a big Star Wars fan. It's just sort of a nerdy cross-country road trip movie. It's, it's great. Yeah. yeah, some of the playing up of the star trek versus star wars fan stuff is fun too that's <laughs> so good thing is the girlfriend's a fan of both and uh she doesn't live too far away from the border of iowa she was talking about how they do have they do have like a celebration in whatever the iowa town is where kirk is going to be born at some point yeah i've heard that so when they went there she got all excited i'm like yeah see but they're going to make these Star Trek nerds look terrible. So just to warn you. Yeah, it's not hard to make Star Trek nerds look terrible. No. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, the other thing is I was working on an article for best sex comedies because that Jennifer Lawrence movie was coming out. Which you're clearly and, excited about. Just didn't bother to learn the name of it. Uh, it's called No Hard Feelings. Okay. Um, no, I want to go see it. I just didn't get a chance to see it this weekend. Uh, so I wrote up a list and uh, I put Bachelor Party on the list. And I sat and thought about it. I'm like, have I never seen Bachelor Party before? Like that doesn't I don't seem think right. I have. It doesn't I know seem right. My reputation, but I don't think I've seen it. So, well, the thing is, I own a copy of it. But which I know. Yeah, but you surprised. owning a copy of something and you having seen it are not really that correlated. <laughs> Um, so I'm like, well, I'm going to watch it tonight. Turns out I, I have seen at least part of it when I was younger, probably way too young to be watching it and way too young to even remember what the movie was. But, mm-hmm. um, so dude's, Tom Hanks is going to get married and his, his friends throw him a wild, raunchy bachelor party and his soon to be wife's family. They don't really like him. So find out about this and they're going to try to use all this info to like break up the wedding um and this all happens like on the night of the bachelor party so shenanigans ensue uh it's really funny it's really good it's typical 80s like just weirdo raunchy sex, sex comedy the thing about it i was not expecting is that i think this might be tom hanks's funniest performance which i was not i was not expecting that He's just really like quippy and like really quick and like on like on the spot with a bunch of his like insults and stuff. And I, I don't know. He was just like seemed like in top form. He was a great comedic actor before yeah. he got all serious. Like, yeah, he, he was very funny in a lot of movies back in the day. Yeah. But I mean, even like compared to like big, like big is funny and, you know deserves all the accolades it gets but i feel like he's funnier in this movie but yeah no the the family complains that he's immature and has no uh no motive like no motivation no prospects for the future or whatever 
And so, yeah, he is totally immature, which is what makes it hilarious. Uh, so it'd definitely be a recommend for me. I should check that one out. I don't know why I haven't seen it. Yeah, definitely worth it. Um, then I caught up on uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Oh. So I'm all yeah, caught up I, on. I've actually been keeping up with that now. So I think there's been four episodes now. Yeah. So the Doink the Clown episode was the last one. Yeah. So far. One came out tonight, apparently. Yeah, so the the Doink one was darker than I expected. Yeah, the Doink one was it was great I did, though. I didn't know like like I remember Doink the Clown. Yeah. That's it, right? That's yeah. his like first WWF run. I was still watching, I guess. I didn't even really realize that he'd shown up in ECW and that he'd had like a weird storyline where they took away his doinkness because WWF sued him. They just <laughs> used that as a storyline as well. Like that's that stuff's all fun. And then obviously the tragedy of his death. They really got me back. Like remember when I watched the first two episodes and said they were running out yeah. of interesting stories and weren't being dark enough. Yeah. And they're like, there's this one and then the Graham family that before this. Yeah, I, that one was that one was a tough watch for me. The Graham one. Because uh, I, I don't even know most of those wrestlers. Like I know the names, but you know a lot of them yeah. were in the big companies that I had access to when I was younger. Yeah. But man, to just sit, to watch a family that just so many people dying of suicide in the same family, and just watching it just kind of go on, and, and then hearing the surviving family members talk about how like yeah, like when one person does it, it has this impact of like opening up that as a valid option to the other family members who then when they have their problems see that as a way out because they know someone else who did it it's like holy shit that's dark and scary shit man yeah it's like they that was the first one i watched after telling you guys that they weren't being dark enough (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah the last two were really dark yeah so yeah, like, I don't know, I, like, for people who don't know, Doink the Clown was this, like, fun, evil clown wrestler guy, and then it turns out it's controversial whether he's was murdered or not. <laughs> it's like, either he was murdered, or he died of an overdose, or he died due to the negligence of people who just chose to let him have an overdose and didn't bother doing anything about it. Those are all three options, and yeah. no, one, no one can ever really know which one's right. Yeah. Basically, tragic AF. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. It's just like because they they even go and they start reading like the official police comments, and there's like there's not enough evidence to conclude that they did these things wrong. And it's like, well, that's not saying they didn't do it. It's just saying you don't have the evidence, which is the correct thing the police should do is not not charge somebody because it's lack of evidence. Right? You're innocent until proven guilty. But it's still dark to hear them say it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting because I didn't really know much about Matt Bourne outside of the Doink stuff. Um, no, I didn't even know so, that was his real name. So, yeah, so his earlier career I thought was interesting. I did, I did like that he apparently had a problem with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I know. And then there's Mick Foley. He's like, for you to be mad at Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you gotta stretch it pretty far. He's like one of the nicest people in the wrestling industry. Yeah, it's and I've heard that about Hacksaw in the past, too. And there's just like it was it was really funny that they, I think I think Mick said something to the effect of like, you have to be trying 
to be mad at Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> and it, it was it was interesting though that they had Hacksaw on the show and then they had him talking about how he didn't like porn and how mm-hmm. they he saw him as like a bully and all this behind the scenes and it's like but you don't very often get somebody willing to come out and talk bad about these guys after they especially after they've passed away yeah so I, I respected that i thought it was important to telling the story explaining that you know these guys that are sometimes good on tv aren't necessarily the best guys behind the scenes right um then uh especially like the stuff with uh where they showed like was it like 2010 doink and hacksaw had like a match on some indie show or something and yeah doink tried to like shoot on him during the match and shit and it's just like oh fuck yeah what the fuck are you doing yeah. so yeah it's yeah i do enjoy um hacksaw's comment though when he's like yeah so the guy's a clown i'm running around with a two by four going ho so i guess i can't say anything about him <laughs> just, just the acknowledgement of how ridiculous it all is i appreciate it uh, yeah oh yeah it is interesting and then them talking about being them, them being like a tag heel tag team even before either one of them got to WWF, yeah, and stuff. And I'm just trying to imagine Hacksaw Jim Duggan being a heel. I can't conceive of it. No, like it's 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 weird, but yeah, super interesting. If anybody gets a chance, yep. check out the four episodes of season four so far. Luckily, Vice is not protective of their stuff, so just search yeah. on YouTube if you're interested. Yeah, it's all over. That's YouTube. how I watch them. Yeah, I just. They just don't seem to care, so I don't feel bad about watching it that way. <laughs> Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, for next episode, we are going to check out a 1987 movie called American Gothic. And we're going to follow that up with a 1986 movie called Gothic. So we're watching right. two, two Gothic movies. Okay. Goth mode. <laughs> and they're both on Tubi. So yeah. do you feel free to you? watch along. I think Gothic is, it's not like a weird one where it's like the story of, it's, it's somehow connected to Frankenstein, isn't it? Maybe. Do you not, do you know. not know what it is? Did you just pick it based on the title? Yep. All right. It's one I've almost watched before and then like decided on something else, but right. so I, I have no Sweet. clue. Um, all right. Should we get into our superhero bullshit? Yeah. Fair. Um, Want to do Flash first? Sure. Ezra Miller sucks. Everyone else did fine. <laughs> Story was interesting. CGI is shit. All right. What about you, Doug? All right. Um, so let's go through Noah's points. Um, no, uh, Ezra Miller sucks. As a person, sure. But in the movie, um, did a really good job of betraying two different versions of the same character. Lots of respect for someone's ability to pull that off. However, the writing makes it impossible to get a good performance because the character is just so inconsistent. And that's not limited to Ezra Miller's character. That's everybody in the movie. Like Specifically the Flash, like the opening scenes. He's like this stumbling, gumbling goofball who can barely order a sandwich at a sandwich shop. And all this stuff, right? Like, he's like, I don't know how to order because the usual person isn't behind the counter. Like, it's the fucking guy from Big Bang Theory or something. Then travels to the past 
and then in the past loses his powers becomes a very um put together well-organized person with great leadership skills who's able to assemble his own version of the justice league even though no justice league exists in order to try to right the wrongs it has done learns very important life lessons about not trying to undo things from the past because of the damage it could do to the future into the present and stuff right goes back to the regular timeline or the closest thing we're going to get to the regular timeline and becomes a bumbling idiot again and who babbles about spaghetti to the press and i'm like no that's i the incompetence of that writing is fascinating to me. Like you, if you want to start the character off goofy and have them become more serious throughout the film as they learn their lessons, that's fine. But you can't have them bouncing back and forth. Like it's too completely. It's almost like a third version of the Flash exists in this movie. There, there's the the original one, the one that's from the new timeline, and then the second original one, which is the same guy, but he's two completely different characters in different scenes, and it's frustrating as shit to me. And that applies to, like, Michael Keaton's Batman. It's great to see Michael Keaton back as Batman. And Keaton's performance is absolutely fine. But he plays a 71-year-old Batman. You see him having, like, walking slowly. He's thin, a little bit frail, maybe. He's wearing, like, cardigans around the Batcave and shit. And then, you know, he puts on the suit and all of a sudden it's his a shitty CGI and or a stuntman, depending on the moment, who's acting like they're a superhero. And I'm like, that is not the same person. It can't be. Like, it's so frustrating to watch because I'm like, if you want to bring Michael Keaton back and you're having and he is this old man, then do it that way. Like, have him training, have him being the guiding force behind the scenes. Don't have him doing the big action fights. And then you could still have the, like, the payoff moment where you put him in the suit and he flies around in the the batwing or whatever like you know you could still do that and have him have his final moments where he's not actually on the ground like fist fighting with fucking kryptonians like it's it's absurd and it's frustrating and annoying and i didn't like it and that part about me it it drove me nuts and it's it i think that one drove me the most nuts because it's the one i knew was going to be a problem going into the movie right um as far as the storyline of the movie goes, it's a good idea. The idea of the Flash figures out he can go back and save his mom, and then that screws up the timeline. That's a core good idea, right? And I think it is from the comics, right? From such, the Flash a, comics. such a good idea. They did a whole comic book series about it and have done it on the TV series already. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, why don't we go ahead and just do it in a movie? Yeah, but... Okay, so... Again, the core idea is good. Tying it into Man of Steel is even good, even though I personally have a distaste for Man of Steel. The idea of him going back causes Zod to be attacking with no Superman to help is um, interesting. Like, I think it's it's a good instinct. I think they did a decent job of rewriting their script last minute when they realized they couldn't get Henry Cavill back and just being like, no, it's Supergirl this time. It's all, it's Supergirl. That's what we needed. It was always going to be Supergirl. We always planned for it to be Supergirl. Well, I, th- I actually believe that's true because Henry Cavill did shoot a cameo for this movie. Mm-hmm. They, they took it out. Yeah, I, it's no, they wanted that to be Superman. 
<laughs> I don't I don't believe that the, the the people who are going to tell you that it was always Supergirl are also the people who are telling you that the CGI is bad on purpose. OK, it's right. no, those are called lies. And they're it's I don't know if you guys know about lies. It's when they say things that just aren't true. And that's what they're doing. here. <laughs> it's fine. They, they actually do an OK job of like. Oh no, Zod captured Superman on his way, so now Supergirl's the only one that made it to her. Okay. That's fine. Right? They killed Superman as a little baby, which is a little dark, but I'm fine with it. Um all, and all that again, it's all good ideas, but then they just they fuck it up because first of all, like their description of time travel is if you go back in time, you create an alternate universe, basically. They don't call it that, but that's what happens, right? Yeah. So you go back in time, you automatically create an alternate universe, right? Which is weird. But okay, I'm, I'll give them that one because it's their movie and you give them the premise of the movie. But then later, when, again, inconsistent characters, the big goofball who doesn't know what to do, all of a sudden in the last two minutes of the film is obsessed with going back in time over and over again. So he's created a whole bunch of weird universes so that we can get cameos. Then all those universes are slamming into each other somehow because worlds collide. I don't know if they started with the tagline and then just had to write something into the movie where that happens. But there's nothing in the movie that explains why. First of all, the way it's visualized makes no sense because they're timelines, theoretically, not dimensions. So the idea that they would float into each other is weird. But also, like... Why are they slamming into each other and destroying each other for whatever reason? It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't understand what's the big deal about having all these weird timelines. Except it's implied that somehow they're going to like collapse in on each other. But I don't know why that matters. And then to top it off, our, our air quotes hero, his solution is to become the Terminator. He's like, what if I travel back? All these timelines are in danger, and this is problematic. So what if I travel back in time and prevent any of these timelines from being started in the first place? That's my solution. That's how that's how our hero operates. He takes the Terminator approach. He's just going to prevent John Connor from being born, and then it won't be an issue. And I'm like, I don't know if what I want from my superhero is watching him go back and making it so Christopher Reeve's Superman never existed and Adam West never existed, and Nick Cage's Superman never existed. Like, I don't I don't know how that's him making him the hero of this story. Oh, see, I never took it that the young one was creating all the different universes. How did they get there then? They already existed, as far why, as why I did, understood. How, what, what in the movie told you that? Um, I don't know. I don't know, Doug. Because the, the only... You just did. The only explanation for time travel we get is the Michael Keaton spaghetti scene where he explains that. Sure. Yeah. And so in that, every time you travel back, you create a new, basically a new dimension, right? Or they call them timelines, but it's basically a new dimension. And there's these cross points where you, because that's where you traveled back to. And then we see him traveling back time and time and time again, turning into that like decrepit old version of the, of the flash. And then, Somehow that's so that like, I don't know how to interpret it other than he created all of those universes and somehow he's created so many that they can't all exist or something. But again, there we shouldn't be trying to interpret it. It should be in the movie. Well, so he just, just, yeah, the way I took it is the spaghetti metaphor. Um, 
So when you start, you know, he first he put them like parallel, like at first, like they're, you know, running sort of next to each other or whatever. And then when you go back and you change something and then he does like the cross and he's like, it becomes a fulcrum. So the past and the present are different. And then he uh, said, when you go back too much, and then it's when he dumped it all out. Yeah. So my interpretation was that you're fucking it up so much that now different realities are crashing into each other. <clears throat> I didn't take it that he was creating realities, uh, specifically creating like the Christopher Reeve one. Or see, I, I don't understand where those came from then. Uh, from uh, well, so years ago, uh, they made comic books. And then they decided to make movies of those comic books. So they no, made I, them. I, I understand that there were previous comic book films. I'm saying that there's no in-movie explanation for where those came from, other than the explanation Michael Keaton gives, which is every time you time travel, you create this new this new timeline, which can have like completely different pasts, presents, and futures. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't take it that way. What that means, I have, I have no clue. What do you, you say, were, Noah? You're wrong about the movie. I, don't, I, th- I think it's got to do with the fact that I, I think you're both kind of right. So, like, he's inside the, the time bowl or whatever. And I think that within his own universe, he's creating new branches. And then I think those other spheres were completely different sets of possible timelines. And the and idea my, is he does it so much that they start slamming into each other because they're no longer differentiated, if that makes sense. But I, again, I would just ask, where in the movie did it say that there were other dimensions other than the ones created by him? I'm not saying it makes it. They're shit writers. Who gives a fuck? Okay. Well, I do. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my point is I do. And I don't like I well, can't forgive the film that because it's too important a thing in the movie. Right. Be careful, Noah. It's the same writers as the Dungeons & Dragons movie. It's fine. Maybe they can do things other than make fucking DC movies. (laughs) And then, like, Uh, the ending, too, is, like, I get the joke of wanting Clooney to show up. I appreciate that Clooney was willing to do it. I think that's fun. I think the joke works. But it implies that it implies that he never learned any of his lesson. Like, why let his mom die if he's not going to learn his lesson? That's a huge sacrifice for the character to make and then not learn a lesson. So frustrating ending. Also, like, I'm getting nitpicky here, but that's what happens when movies aren't good. I get more and more nitpicky. But the whole thing, the whole setup of the film is fucked because I don't understand why his dad's in jail. Well, there's a giant plot hole because they never even questioned who it was that actually killed his mom. Yeah. Which is a big problem. Apparently, Muschietti has said that that was going to be for the second one. They were going to reveal the reverse flash, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it's kind of garbage. They don't do any of that stuff in this movie. So there's just a gaping hole of like, well, what if you figured out who actually killed your mom and then your dad wouldn't go to jail? Like, I I agree that literally the only thing they have is like, well... He was holding her and she had been stabbed. So that obviously means he stabbed her. But it, that doesn't make any sense. Even in, in context of the film, they're like, if we can prove he went to the grocery store, then that would prove he didn't kill her. And it's like, well, 
like he says, I went to the grocery store. And then they're like, they would obviously ask Barry, like, where were your mom and dad? And he'd say, well, dad went to the grocery store. So that's it. Now it's like 50% plus one, like preponderance of the evidence. He did, in fact, go to the grocery store. You, it's Now it's on you to prove he didn't go to the grocery store. And I don't know how they would prove that. Not to mention the fact that there's such things as receipts and, you know, other things like that that could exist. But it, it it's a real, like, so much of the movie hinders on this idea that both of Barry's parents were taken from him in this incident. And then, yeah, yeah, they don't get into who did it. And I assumed that was for the sequel, was him yeah. going after who did it. But they also don't explain, like, how did the dad end up in this situation? Like, how do you get to the point where you're losing appeals and you're like, I didn't do anything. And they're like, you probably did though. And it's like, like, and I know like court systems are screwed and stuff, but in a movie, I expect a little bit more explanation as to how that happened. And maybe there could have been some lines of dialogue, like whoever did do it would have in fact, like set his dad up somehow. Yeah. They they didn't do that, right? Like that's that's the kind of thing you do in a movie is you explain those things, and they they just didn't. Yeah, just watch the Flash TV show; they explain it way better. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of assumed the TV show was better. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, I I don't know. I did. I, it was probably a mistake for me to go back to theaters to see a DC film. I probably should have just accepted, <laughs> but. I think it's my first one in theaters since Batman Superman. Oh, really? I'm trying to think what, maybe the first Suicide Squad. Was that before or after? Does anybody even know? After Justice League? Nope, after Batman v Superman. Uh, it would have been after Batman v Superman. Okay. I Just think then, I maybe did see that in theaters. Just one of my nieces or nephews, yeah. Because Batfleck had a, a cameo in that one. Okay. Yeah, I may have. Seen, I think I may have seen that one in theaters, like because one of my nieces or nephews wanted me to take them, but I haven't voluntarily seen a DC movie in theaters since since the Martha incident. Because <laughs> it's just I don't know. Like if it, it's fascinating that a studio is putting this kind of money into making these movies and just doesn't seem to give a shit if they're good or not. Like just they're not yeah. crying. Specifically, but, this movie. Yeah, like, and then they're like, oh, we lost money. And so, well, yeah, maybe make a movie that, like, like when Marvel did, I mean, ob- the obvious comparable, which is the Spider-Man, right? Like, oh. like people were, go- like, I saw that in theaters three times. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, people, a lot of people were doing that because it was so good. And because you, you were able to play on the nostalgia correctly. Like, that's another thing this film does is, like, it screws up the nostalgia so bad. Like, I don't know, like, like when you bring back things from previous movies, just putting them on screen and having everybody point at them is not good filmmaking. It's just this gross, like, come on, you know, you all paid to see the Batmobile. So here it is. All right, that's it. We don't we're going to use it for anything. It's not relevant plot wise. We're just we just showed it to you because we know you want to see it. Also, by the way, remember when the Joker had this thing in his pocket? Now we have it here. And it's just like, just stop. Like, just stop with your fake bullshit. Just have him driving the Batmobile in a scene, and then therefore you get to see the Batmobile, but it doesn't feel like you're forcing it on us, you know? 
He flew the Batwing. Not the same one from the Burton movies. No, new and improved. Yeah, I, it is. It, it, like, and this isn't really a complaint. This is just a haha. Superhero movies are funny sometimes, but it's hilarious that Batman just happens to have a plane with exactly three seats. Like that's really funny to me. <laughs> like it's just, and like I think I'll give it that. Like this is a fantasy world where we're like everything can be, everything can kind of just fall into place like that. But oh, it's just it's so funny. It's like look, I have this plane. I can fly us to Russia. It has exactly the number of seats we need. <sighs> Um, speaking of bad, uh, the CGI in this movie is so bad. Yeah. That opening scene at the hospital is a fucking crime. How the fuck did they've been working on this movie for like three years and it keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed. Somebody wasn't like, Hey, you know, we got all this extra time. Maybe we should fix, fix some of this CGI stuff. No, they didn't want to. Apparently, I, I like so the whole like babies falling off the thing. Yeah. First of all, I, d- I just that's another thing that this is more of a personal opinion than an objective complaint about the film. But I didn't really like a lot of the humor. I thought they were going for Deadpool humor and missing. <laughs> and and that opening sequence is the best example of it, of all those babies falling from the hospital and stuff. Um, but like I almost left after that. I'm like, can you get your money back for a movie <laughs> if you leave after the opening scene? Like, I wonder if I should do that. You probably could. And then I decided to stay because I don't know why, but it, God, it looks bad. And there's no excuse for your CGI looking this bad in 2023. Yeah. No, no, we made a conscious decision because it's from Barry's perspective. That's a lie. It is. It's a straight lie. Yeah. Because, like, the stuff inside, like, the Speed Force or whatever, like, okay, fine. Like, that stuff's a choice, I guess. But even just like his fucking suit looks god awful. Yeah. Well, I don't like the running effect. Even if it was done well, I don't like the choices they made. No. But then it's not done well, so. Ugh, so bad. How does the CGI on the Flash TV show look better? The CGI in the $250 million Flash movie. Doesn't make any understand. sense. God. They had a fully CGI gorilla on the TV show, and it looks way better than anything in this movie. I don't, I don't get it. I don't yeah. understand how they screwed it up. And keep in mind, like, important to note that they canned an entire Batgirl movie. They just decided not to release it, but they put out something that looks like this. No. So I, I think in in this whole one, the person I feel the sorriest for is fucking Ben Affleck. The fact that he got to actually be Batman in this. <laughs> yeah. And his, his bit was actually pretty good. I mean, it's not like dark, grim, dark Batman, but it's more like Batman from the animated series and stuff. Yeah. Which sure. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm into it. It's, it's too bad. He got fucked by a bunch of shitty people that don't know how to make movies. Well, and let's, let's point out too, though, that he looked absolutely terrible like that the suit design which is not on Affleck that's on oh really I liked I liked the blue and gray I don't mind the blue the idea of the blue the idea of the blue and gray is great it's the execution of it it just looks like it just looked atrocious to me I hated the suit and then it was more inconsistency too because they had that thing where he's like sometimes he's a superhero and can hang on to like you know 
vehicles that are traveling at 100, 100 miles an hour. And then as soon as it's inconvenient, he's got like normal human strength and can't hold on to his grip for this guy that's about to fall up out of his hand. And one woman has to come and save him. And it's like, I, I just saw him do a bunch of stuff that was way harder than what he's doing right now. So your movie sucks. Ah, it's frustrating. <laughs> uh, how do we feel about all the cameos? Like at the end, you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, we get some at the beginning. We get uh, Wonder Woman, which was... I had heard her cameo got cut, so I was kind of su- pleasantly surprised that she showed well, up. I, I think How at is- the end of the movie, she was supposed to be in a scene. Like at the end when Clooney shows up, yeah, I think yeah. there was supposed to be a bunch of people there, and they just decided not to do it because they're not continuing this universe. I mean, were, were you guys a little bit pissed off that they kind of didn't put Grant Gustafson and uh, a ship in here? Uh, well, I know Grant Gustin filmed a cameo. Shietti has gone to say they actually filmed a lot more cameos that didn't make it into the movie. Um, they just did not have room and of all the ones to cut, though. What the fuck? Trust me, I know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he should have been in it, and it would have been hard, especially because one of the Flash cameos isn't a real Flash cameo. It's just like they did a generic black and white. Yeah. CGI, uh, yeah, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And that they made him kind of look like one of the actors who has played a Flash. <laughs> yeah, but everybody's everybody like, not it's him. Teddy Sears, and he's like, "It wasn't me. I didn't film nothing for this movie." It, the decisions were strange because I don't know. I, I don't know how they decided who to put in and who not to. But the whole thing was strange, and it it really feels like I know that this film has been delayed a lot, but the time has passed like seeing like there, there, if this was 10 years ago, even with this level of CGI, which was questionable, if Christopher Reeve and Alan Slater had showed up, you'd have gotten excited, but you don't anymore for that. Was, like, it's I just so not, excited. I don't know. I, it just, I feel like it's something that's been done a million times now. And I don't, I don't get anything from it. The only one that, kind of excited me was Nick Cage because <laughs> because he was fighting a giant fucking spider yeah and it's like I, I did like you, did you see the like uh, the Kevin Smith reaction to that no I haven't seen that yet He's, he wrote it he like did an interview and they were talking about it and the biggest thing and he goes you know I saw it and I got stoked and then the giant spider was there and he goes damn it the giant spider would have worked <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but yeah no and, and again like i like that because it's a deep cut and it gets to something that i care about so i'm like you know where you uh, guys were going off about which flash actors were in it and i'm like i never watched that show so i didn't really care you know what i mean um but I understand why people would have loved to have seen those if that was their thing. If you if you'd watched the TV show for years, you'd really like to see them show up. It's weird that they didn't do that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I really liked them. I liked the Christopher Reeve, Ellen Slater one because they never got to appear on screen together. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Reeve was supposed to show up in Supergirl and he dropped out at the last minute. I wonder why. Well, because they just had turned their back on making good movies by that point. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so I just thought it was a lot of fun to see them together, even if it was digitally. 
Uh, George Reeve one was kind of fun, I guess. Yeah. Um, seeing Adam West, I'm just like, yes, they got another Batman in this movie. Oh, man. Uh, someone, uh, I think it was Kevin Smith, though. I did listen to his Batman Beyond episode where they talk about this movie. And uh, he did bring up, uh, out of all the cameos, though, no, uh, no Linda Carter. She didn't, she didn't make the cut anywhere. Well, that's what I'm saying. The people they chose not to put in are the crazy ones. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially since there were a couple that seemed like, like, like they were nobody, right? They were just generic cameo, generic versions of these characters. Like, why not just have? And have a bunch more. Like, who cares if that scene went on three extra minutes and you got to see a few extra of these people? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it wouldn't bother me any. I don't know. Uh, I would say this movie really feels like just a series of missed opportunities to me. That's how I would describe this film. Like, just a core good idea. I think the main actor did a good job with what he had to work with. you know, most of the supporting actors are fine as well, but just 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 couldn't quite do it. Just couldn't weren't willing to put in that little bit of extra effort to make sure it was a quality film. Uh, How did you feel about George Clooney there, Noah? Uh, I was I was kind of into it, but once again, you'd think that uh, if they were going to CGI people into this movie, maybe Val Kilmer gets a little bit of love. You know, oh. What I mean? oh. but I don't know. Like I. I I don't know. Like I said, the movie sucked. I, the, like the little bit of nostalgia things, you know, the, the that kind of stuff I can get down with. I was happy to see Michael Keaton. Most of the actors and actresses did good jobs. It's just a shitty movie. I mean, it's not their fault. It's a shitty movie. It's just a shitty movie. Yeah. You know, like and that, that seems to be the, the modus operandi for DC is, you know, the casting department is doing their work well. And then they're just letting them down by not putting the time and effort into ensuring a good movie. Uh, you know, they're not they're not spending the extra time to do that one last pass of the script to say like, oh wait, you know, well, I mean, do, clearly it's not a time fun. issue. They delayed this movie thirty five times. Yeah, okay. I guess it's more of a, an effort issue. It's, it's it's pure incompetence. Yeah, like you 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 need <laughs> like like I say those those lines of dialogue about why the dad got convicted are absolutely essential to make this movie make sense you know a better explanation as to what the hell was going on with those worlds colliding i mean when your tagline is worlds collide and then when the worlds start colliding and here we are sitting around having a debate about what's going on and not quite sure what happened and you know the people who are positive on this movie seem intent to hand wave that i'm like no to me that's like too important you can't do that you know what i mean i already gave you your weird version of time travel that creates new dimensions. I'm giving you that because you provided that explanation in film. I don't want to have to give you more and more and more. And just like, it does matter if your movie makes sense. I'm not, I, I, am never going to be of the mindset that because it's a superhero movie, it just doesn't have to make sense. And that seems to be, they seem to be content with that logic. Yeah. Um, I started laughing and clapping when George Clooney popped up. Yeah. Nobody else in my theater was, but I was like, oh, come on. That's, uh, I can guarantee you that's the last Batman we expected to see in this movie. I don't think I was as surprised as they wanted us to be. No? No. I was pretty surprised because I'm pretty sure he said he would never play Batman again. 
yeah. he always he always felt terrible because he felt like he tanked the whole franchise. Right, but he didn't play Batman. He played Bruce Wayne, so it's totally different. Um, but I mean, I think the biggest thing is because because of the way they shot it and the way they exposed him, you have like a couple of seconds to think about it, and he's kind of the only one left. Oh. Like Christian Bale's not coming back for a joke, right? So well, apparently they asked him multiple times, and he kept saying no. So, yeah, like. I'm sure they would have loved to have had a scene of him and like recreate Heath Ledger's Joker in that like bubble universe. If they could have got him to show up, but they, they couldn't. Which they didn't really need to. They could have just got him to sign off on likeness rights, but I don't even think he's doing that. <laughs> like it's no, no, no. Yeah. He was like, no, 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 no. He's pretty, I, I mean, because he's, he agreed to do Batman movies when the deal was we're going to make good movies that have Batman in them. And, you know, yeah. you can have you can have your own opinions on the movies. That's fine. But you can't deny that they were at least doing their best to make really good movies about Batman and not just like I say, not just stitching it together, not hand waving important parts of the plot, not just having characters act completely inconsistent for no reason, except for the Joker who was supposed to be doing that. Anything else about Flash? No, no, no. I'm excited for Blue Beetle, but I'm not. No. I, I don't know. I'm back to swearing off DC stuff. <laughs> I just. Uh, we're ready to talk some Secret Invasion. Yeah. So there's not really a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, and full disclosure, I kind of half watched it. I put it on in the background because I'm fully anticipating rewatching it before the next episode comes out. So. Oh, okay. Um, I assumed it would be a setup episode, so I'm like, I want to know what happens, but I'm also just know I'm going to want to watch it again. So, so scrolls, scrolls have uh, started some shenanigans on Earth. Enough that Nick Fury has to come back to Earth, which he has not been on Earth for a long time. Yeah, or since the blip, it sounds like, and uh, we start some weird. Uh, Sort of espionage sort of uh, spy stuff for the moment. I was going to say, I I feel they're a little unjustified with the premise of the show. And that's annoying me. That apparently Nick Fury was all fucked up and weird after the blip. Uh-huh. And that that's why he was off on the, the space station or whatever. And it's like, I I think you guys probably needed to like, I don't know, put that in something in one of the fucking movies <laughs> you don't just get to go oh he was yeah he was all fucked up afterwards you know the guy who's prepared for everything and in every eventuality he just he just fucked off and was like no no more earth i mean i i see what you're saying but also we did know he left earth we haven't been given an, an explanation as to why he left until now so they this is them giving us that explanation and i think the idea of you know, if if they do a good job exploring it in the rest of the series, the idea of he was prepared for everything and then this thing happened that he couldn't possibly be prepared for, that's what fucked him up. You know, that would be the that would be the a logical thing, I think, of to say, yeah, like that's what made him so messed up is that somehow something happened that he wasn't prepared for when he thought he had every eventuality covered. Yeah, hopefully it's something that's gonna play out. Do you find it interesting they're not having him wear his eye patch so far? I kind of like the new look of him. Yeah. Homeless Fury with the big old beard and the 
No eye patch. I wonder. I wonder if they're trying to set up Man on the High Tower or not. I don't know what that is. Uh, that is kind of a real fucked up comic book where you find out that uh, Nick Fury is doing way darker shit than you think he's doing. Yeah, yeah it's possible. Ba- basically, there there's this investigation that starts and there's a bunch of dead, super powerful beings all over the place. And it all turns out that basically Nick Fury hasn't been on Earth in a really, really long time. All the Furies that people see are those Fury bots that, you know, in the comic books he uses. And that he's just been out uh, wanton murdering anybody that poses the mildest threat to Earth, including the Watcher. He ends up like shooting a Watu in the face. <laughs> yeah, I remember that because then yeah. he becomes the Watcher. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it all ends. Because they've already kind of hinted at that with the Winter Soldier storyline of him doing stuff behind the scenes. That's not quite where what you're talking about, but it is still that sort of darker, willing to go further than you expect him to type storyline. So, you know, they could they could expand on that. It's it's consistent with what's come, I guess. Yeah, I've I've kind of been open for it. I mean, like, it's part of his whole character that even his friends don't trust him because, like, Nick Fury's a liar. Like, he's a lying asshole. Uh, well, the thing is, like, this, I'm a little disappointed because, like, this series is not going to be as, um, I think, as interesting as, like, the comic series was just because can't really i guess there are no superheroes in it that's part of the problem it's part of the problem so far um so i just don't know if there's gonna be any shocking reveals uh like there was in the comics because i'm curious if we're gonna find out that anybody we've already known ends up being a scroll at some point but since you know doesn't seem like it's a superhero show that's not really going to matter so i think the idea is going to be they're just going to do a different type of story yeah which is kind of a bummer because i really liked secret invasion on the comic books <laughs> i was going to say you won't get that you won't get that moment of uh hank pym shooting uh reed richards in the back yeah. <clears throat> or everybody thinking uh well tony stark has to be a scroll because he's been such a dick lately so it was right after Civil War, and it turns out like, nope, just Tony Stark being a dick. Definitely not a scroll. As it turns out, um, do you can see the Everett Ross in this sort of? Uh, he turns out to be a scroll, and then I was like, oh shit, they can reveal he's been a scroll the whole time because that seems like a weird thing that's just plopped into the show. But they called him uh, the Everett Ross imposter. So I think we're supposed to believe he's not been a scroll the whole time, which is good. That would make much sense. Uh, I don't know. I guess the only other thing to talk about is the death of uh, Maria Hill at the end. These motherfuckers. <laughs> it's like, oh, good. They finally brought her back. Nope. Not for long. You're really that upset about it, though, no? She's a, she's a like an important character in the comic books. I, I they keep taking like really important characters and reducing them to like two lines and then getting rid of them. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think you should not read comic books anymore. Get you, <laughs> get you to get you too upset after you watch the movies. That's true. Like, I, I have no idea if what you're saying is true. I'll grant that it is, but 
I mean, how long is someone like her going to stick around in this universe that they've created? At some point, it's like, yeah, we're as long as the writers want her to be around. Yeah. But I mean, you're you've got an actress who you're paying quite a bit of money to show up and not do much in these things. You know, she's usually, she, might, she is a Hollywood actress and she's got to be pushing 40 at this point. So naturally. <laughs> uh, funny because it's true. Yeah, I was kind of bummed. I was hoping the reveal was going to be that she was a scroll. Maybe she was like a, one of the good scrolls taking over for her or something. But. Yeah, that's where I thought it was going. It's also like, keep in mind, they've done this before. Maybe she's not dead. Yeah, like, maybe. Never know. Also possible. I mean, Phil Coulson was dead. He got a whole nine-season TV series out of it. Yeah. Right. Curry was dead once. <laughs> and then they killed him off again in the TV series three times. <laughs> That's also true. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see how the series goes, but it's going to be drastically different than uh, the series it's based on, but Marvel's kind of been doing that anyway. Civil War was not as sprawling as comic series was so it's fine yeah it's all war work like they made it they made it work so i look nothing happened in this um episode that ruined my hopes for this being a good show no now echo on the other hand has everybody worried because apparently disney's just dropping all the episodes at once so that's usually not a good sign for a streaming service that doesn't do that on a regular basis i just don't understand how they think echo is a good idea i don't know is how can they possibly think there's a demand for a whole show about that character and like they could create that demand by having her be in more things beforehand we haven't yet so yeah it is weird that sort of like uh hawkeye stuff and i guess it's only has it even been a year since the hawkeye series yes that, it was oh yeah that was like a year and a half, half. Year and a half ago. Yeah. They haven't really done a whole lot with anything in that show. No. I mean, Echo's get her own series, but they haven't talked really much about the, the girl Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner at all. I mean, Jeremy Renner for obvious reasons, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I mean, to me, that would have been the logical thing to do would be to give the, the new Hawkeye her own series that takes over, right? Like, she's now the new Hawkeye, and by giving her her own series, then you could eventually have her showing up in movies and stuff and bring her in and build her into your universe. But they're waiting so long that it's becoming like, like these shows are starting to feel like they're just one-offs. You know? Yeah. And seem like they're building up to like a uh, young Avengers team. Yeah. Cause they had all these young versions of different characters with her. And then, uh, the Ironheart girl from the Black Panther movie who's getting yeah. her own series. Hulk's son. And I don't know, some other characters. But yeah, like you said, it seems like it's taking so long that eventually it's just going to be like, oh no, they're all like in their 30s now. They could just be the Avengers. Yeah, it's like young Avengers, but the young is crossed out. <laughs> no, uh, we'll know. see. I haven't given up on Marvel yet, but... No. I think, uh, was it The Marvels is the next movie? Yeah. I'm excited to see that. I enjoyed Ms. Marvel. Yeah. And Monica from WandaVision, who I enjoyed. And then uh, Captain Marvel, which I thought was just okay. But 
Yeah, I, I, I liked Captain Marvel more than you did. Yeah, I just I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. I was kind of, but no. Well, I'm excited to see all three of them together. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.